going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast, a podcast that is simply a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today we're getting back into the 1689. We're still in chapter one. We're looking at paragraphs seven and eight. We'll get to that in a moment. But in the meantime, hi, my name is Adam, and I like walks on the beach. Actually, that's not true. I don't like walking on the beach because it hurts my toes. Like, I don't know. I feel like the sand pulls my toe away from my foot, and it gets those little cuts in them. But hi, my name is Adam of the A-Game, Elder of Grassroots Church, joined by the real elder of Grassroots Church, the lead elder, <laughs> Darren Cherry. You are a real elder, too, and I love walks on the beach. Do your toes ever rip away from your foot, like your pinky toe? Nope. My toes are freakishly long. They're like fingers. My toes are used to being free and out in the wind because all I do is wear flip-flops mainly. And yeah, I'm so, pretty sure I saw a ponytail on one of those on one of those toes before. So I uh, I like to just be free-footed, we'll put it that way, and so the beach is just the next evolution of That's that. So everyone steps on my feet and my toenails fall off every 3 moons because they're so out there, they're like fingers that people step on. I can pick stuff up with my feet too. This podcast is uh, for you feet lovers. Oh, if you hate feet, we're sorry. Like, if I drop a pen and I'm barefoot, I can pick the pen up with my toes and bring it up behind my back to hey, my hand. listen, the older you get, the more you do that, okay? Like, oh, you do that too? Oh, my gosh. The older you get, you're like, I don't want to bend all the way down there to pick that up, but your foot's just right there. It can bring it to you. I was conducting a tour the other day and uh, bent down to tie my shoe. So I took a knee, and I was tying my shoe. I finished tying it, and it felt so good to take a knee. I just looked at, you know, these 25 people to which I was conducting the tour. I was like, I'm just going to stay here for a second. Oh, it was good. All right, time to get up. Yeah, you drop something. That's pretty far down there when you're 33. I know someone who's listening, you're older than me, and you're going to be like, you think it's bad now. I know, I know, I know. Mark White used to say that when you bend down, the older you get, you you look for everything you can do while you're down there. When you bend over, you're like, listen, while I'm down here, I'm going to get everything done that I can uh, Yep, I do before this. I expend the energy of standing back up. I'll do the same thing if I have to go to the bathroom. I'll, you know, watching a football game like last night, think to myself, hey, I, need to use, I need to go to the restroom in a second. Now, on my way there, what can I take with me? What can I get done? It's like, well, there's a empty water bottle here. I'll throw that away. You know, get stuff done. That's how I cope, Darren. Because I'm so lazy sometimes. It's like, I don't want to go all the way down the steps to pee. <laughs> well, I mean... It's the curse. Yeah. Is, yeah, it, the, is, is that the curse? Is that the way it works from Genesis 3? But the older you get, the more it's it's like... This is the way I've been trying to explain it. I don't, in general, you hurt more, but just like, like I play basketball on, on Monday nights or Sunday nights. Just today, I'm not really hurting anymore. I used to play three or four times a week and not hurt like that. But here's how it feels in general. You just feel heavier. Now, yes, I am heavier than I was at a younger age, but you feel heavier. Your legs feel heavier. Your arms. When it's time to get out and do something, you can get out and do it, and I feel okay getting out and doing something, working in the yard or helping. But in the midst of your 
your your body just feels heavier. <laughs> your body recognizes gravity. Yes. <clears throat> to quote Lincoln Park, <clears throat> I'm holding on, but why is everything so heavy? Must have been turned in 34. <clears throat> Darren, I got a question for you. I was yeah, thinking buddy. about it last night. I was watching the Packers. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Speaking of which, uh, I did come close to the actual final score for the Packers Cowboys game. It was, it was pretty did. close. What was your what was your I said 28-21 Green Bay. Which by the way, uh loyal listener Larry, um or something. I think it might have said He said like 21. nine to seven or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Now mean, he had he had the Wrong score, wrong team. You had the close to right score, right team. I was accurate, but not precise, according to my third grade math lesson. But yeah, I came pretty close. Last night I was watching the game. I actually fell asleep because I don't have an emotional investment right now in anything sports related. <sighs> actually, no, NBA is getting good. No, basketball is fine. Basketball is, uh, basketball is nice. College basketball, basketball is, is nice. here. Uh, that's good, but I was watching the game last night, and Darren, here's my question for you. Whenever you're watching a game, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, so you sit on the couch, you're watching the game, do you just watch the game, or do you follow along with your phone? Do you, like, go through stats and, like, on the ESPN app, read through the different stats or anything like that, the next-gen things that they provide, or look at Twitter and see what so-and-so Dan Patrick might be saying about the game or McAfee during the game, like, live read live tweets during those events, or do you just watch the game? No, I, I just watch the game, but that's because I, I grew up, that's all you had was, like, what, like, the game in front of you. That's all you had. And so I just watch it. It, it allows me to just get lost in it. Now, I do have a practice of at the end of each day, I go into the ESPN app. I look at all the NBA scores. I look at the stats of them. I check NCAA basketball. Um, sometimes on Saturdays, I'll look at NCAA football. You know me. I'm not as big a football guy. Um, and, and at the end of the day on Sundays, I'll check the NFL scores. But, uh, but no, when a game's on, I'm – just give me the game, man. That's all I want. I just want the game. I I told you this the other day, and I'm sure our friends do not care at all. So I apologize, but I like I like sports games, sports video games. I haven't had a new NBA game in forever. And the other day, I I told myself, I told myself in the morning, Adam, you can do it. You got this. No, I was like, I'm going to go to work, and if I make X amount of cash tips, I'm going to buy, I can swing a new NBA game. And that actually happened. You know, name it and claim it, Dan. <laughs> no, that does not apply. I don't. I do not adhere to that at all. But it did, fortunately, work out that way for me. Uh, so I like the Raptors. I like the Lakers. Oh gosh, Lakers are so bad. Raptors are okay. I'm so bad at NBA games right now. Playing on the second easiest difficulty. I'm so bad. It's like I'll win sometimes, but I was going to take a picture in the first quarter. I'll. It is like ten to seven, and I'm losing. I'm shooting twenty percent. It just gets to a point where I'm so bad. It, it like last night is just funny with the Raptors. I've already told you my, my advice. I did your advice. Okay. I did your advice. What'd you think? Beat the Bulls. Barely. Using my calves? Uh, using Donovan Mitchell. Dude, they're a fun team. <laughs> I just used Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and whoever that point guard is, they have. Um, Darius Garland. Yeah. Yep. Dude's fast. So Tough. Donovan Mitchell set a record for the most points in Cavs history through the first 10 games which every record in Cavs history is held by LeBron 
like the most assists, the most points, the most rebounds, most games played, all that stuff. But not that one. Yeah. That one belongs to Donovan. Now, I will say that I'm best with him so far on that game because my rudimentary strategy is run around everybody fast and just from the free throw line start shooting that layup. If you don't get – you'll get fouled maybe. Hey, that's how you play in real life too, man. You just run every, <laughs> around everybody. And run around real fast. Get to that free throw line. That's all I do. I try to go to the corner and then – yeah. Anyway, so, hey, friends, sorry about that ramble. I'd like to know how do you all watch sports? Do you not watch sports at all? Or when you do, do you have a second screen with you to follow along to get more information? Shannon Sharp says he listens to games on mute. Have you ever have you rare. watched the the Manning a little bit. cast? <clears throat> I've never bit. watched that. Is it any fun? It's a lot of fun. That's why I don't watch it. They're so fun to listen to. It's distracting from the game. Like gotcha. that's a little bit too much. I love Peyton Manning and Eli. Like they're so fun and smart and just good well, yeah. guys. But no, I like I I want to watch a game with them in person. Oh, goodness. Like, I want to be there. I want to hang out with them. Just so, sit quietly in the room. Yeah. I find them more interesting than, than some of the games, so I, j- I just stay away from them. Well, let me ask this. Why do you watch, when you sit down to watch a game, yep. any, any sport, whatever, Uh huh. why do you watch it? Why do I watch it? Because it's fun to watch football or basketball or baseball now, golf, NASCAR, I just like it. I have a. Um, it's like every game is its own little story. You know, you get to watch a story being written live. It's like never ending story. Because when I sit down to watch a game, Corny, the reason I watch is to let my mind concentrate on something else than responsibilities of life. Like, I don't know if people realize, I mean, everybody does this, I think. You know, from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, it's what do I need to get done? You know, who do I need to contact? What is going on? Uh, how is my wife, My how are my kids? Uh, what do I need to do for them, um, for the church, for the kingdom? Like, like it's, it's, it's just constantly on. And so when I sit down to watch a game, because of how my brain operates, I'm able to to lose myself a little bit in the game, and my brain is able to click off for a little while. Escapism, which I think everybody needs that, and it's better to do that with, you know, Raptors jazz game than, you know, a fifth of whiskey. <laughs> well, and I mean, if, just so we're clear, if anybody can ask my wife, you ask her how many ball games I watch a week. Is it quite a bit? It might be one. Like a week. Because we don't have any sports channels. So I can watch the Amazon Thursday night football game. ESPN Plus. Um, I don't have games. any of that stuff. And so so I, I watch a lot of baseball in the summer because it got the MLB app. Um but in weird ways that I'm able to catch games, I will. But that's it. Like, that's all I do. And so I think that's why I am so picky on my TV shows now. Because I don't want a show that requires a huge amount of investment from me to hang on to. I just want to enjoy a show. Yeah, we can talk about that in our bonus episode coming up. B-b-b-bonus episode. I mean, we, well, I'm happy you said that, Darren, because... Um, 
in all honesty, the reason I watch sports is to fulfill what Paul commanded in Colossians 3 to do everything to God's glory. So I, you know, I watch sports to give God glory. That's what I do it for. <laughs> you can do that. I think in some ways you could do that. There's some ways to do the complete opposite. Get it's a lot easier to do the complete opposite. <clears throat> I know that was a loaded statement. I saw your eyes like you were thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that was that was loaded. Friends, give us some feedback. Feedback? Feedback. Feedback. Uh grassroots.wv.com, Twitter, Why do you Facebook, watch sports? Instagram. Why sports? Why do sports? To continue my sermon outline. <laughs> Why do sports? We're in the 1689, chapter one on Holy Scripture, paragraph, paragraphs seven and eight. I'm struggling with my pl- talking hard today. Talking hard today. Sorry, guys. Not enough coffee. That was it because you made me wait because I didn't want to be a bad, um, I didn't want to be a stumbling block to any potential addiction. Oh, I got an announcement to make. Hold on. Before he's, I didn't make him wait. I was willing to get more coffee, but I said I was going to be real jittery. And he was like, well, I don't want that, so we'll wait. I want to be a stumbling block. I don't want <laughs> to lead you down that road, brother, because I'll be there with you, and that's not good for what's anybody. Your, what's okay. your announcement? Starting in December, I'm going to convert to 100% tea. Ugh. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go to tea, and I'm going to start weaning myself off caffeine. I'm going to take hopefully an entire year. <laughs> I'm going to give myself a year to not be addicted to caffeine. How accountable do you want me to hold you to this? Very. Okay. Okay. Because uh, my plan is, friends, and you could, hey, join me. Because, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking coffee, but Oh, I, hold on. Real quick. Uh, Angie, we're sorry. Oh. You need to apologize to Angie. Angie, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's a personal thing. I love coffee. I love your brew. It's great. It has provided so much joy and alertness. And excitement, and that's my problem. <laughs> I was I, gonna say, but that's my problem. It's weird. I can be, and it happens. You know, around one thirty in the afternoon, I just feel kind of down. Like I'm just a little sad. Ooh, coffee and a cookie. Yeah, just even thinking about it, smelling it, makes me happy. And it's like I want control over this. Yeah, but we know the real problem. The real problem is, but one o'clock in the afternoon, most days you realize. I haven't got to hang with Darren. That's usually it. And I just get depressed. That's why I like to meet at 7 instead of 8. I just got to get there. (laughs) (laughs) And it has nothing to do with getting coffee quicker, like I told you this morning. (laughs) Do you know how hard it was to get out of bed this morning? Yeah, I know. Well, and especially because we didn't have school today, so Kelly and the boys are home. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed at all. I chose 7 because if it was 8, I don't get coffee until 8. Yeah. And if it's 7, I can just, like, wake up at 6, I don't know. That's legit. 20, I think, 15, 20. By that, I mean I got out of bed. I rolled out of bed. Um, I would like to ask for feedback. Please text me. You, y'all have my number. Please text me. Do you support Adam in his quest to wean off of coffee? I'm not even going to say caffeine. I'm just going to say coffee. That's the start, because that's my plan, to drink as much tea as I need to not have a crippling headache and be the world's worst person on the inside and outside, which can is I, what would happen if I quit caffeine cold turkey. Can you forgive my ignorance? Does Absolutely. 
Does not. tea have hot tea have caffeine? Yeah. Can you get it caffeine free? Or you can do both. But okay. I know nothing I'm about. I'm pretty tea. sure the average Angie, Brett, y'all correct me. From what I can tell, uh, the average cup of coffee, good cup of coffee, is like 90 to 100 milligrams of caffeine. I think an average cup of black tea, so uh, English Earl Grey breakfast tea. I think they usually have around uh, a cup 50. Of Earl Grey. A cup of Earl Grey. You just need a now green tea. Small cup, please. Green tea has about twenty-five milligrams, I do believe. Make just sure like you get it, your biscuits like with it. Doctor Pepper. I'm bringing biscuits to. I'm bringing English biscuits to mm. something when you're drinking tea. I'm bringing biscuits. Y'all hold me accountable. Text like text me too. Be like, hey, now this is a December thing. I'm gonna wait until December second because we're going on a date with elders. Shoot, wise, Mark, that's everybody. gonna be so much fun. I don't want to be like that guy. <laughs> I quit caffeine a few years ago for a week at my doctor's recommendation. Blood pressure, blah blah blah. <laughs> blah blah blah. And blah. I I was bedridden by day three. I couldn't function. That's how okay, deep yeah, this you, goes. I will say that Kelly and I have weaned a little bit off of it. She realized she was just really struggling to sleep at night. And I can drink coffee at 11 o'clock, go to bed at 1130, and sleep until 8 in the morning. Like, there's no effect whatsoever. She cut coffee out after, like, 5 o'clock or something, and she's had multiple nights of good sleep in a row. And so it's helped me slack off a few cups is it a sin to be addicted to caffeine oh yeah yeah absolutely I, I think Same. absolutely yeah, i think I, and i agree too and i because you know I, I was looking into gambling because we have a gambling episode coming up in a couple weeks but this idea same thing with like alcohol it's like if you if it's controlling you and you're not on top of it then no stay away if i cannot function and i know a lot of us like i can't function until i get my coffee i say that i don't mean that i can wake up get Kelly and the boys off to school, go to the office and not drink coffee all day and function just fine. But if somebody's like literally like, I can't wake up, I can't stay awake, I, my mind is just a mess without coffee, then, then yeah, there's, there's an issue there. Uh, hey, our friends can join us too on Sunday mornings. Can I put in a request for the coffee to now have uh, a variety of tea, please? We always have hot tea packets out there I've for seen hot those. water. Yep. I've seen those. But I'm Variety? Talking, no. I'm but talking we do about have hot tea. bougie yes. tea, man. Hey, you are, even going to the Wild Bean has a nice selection of hot tea. Yeah, you can get a London Fog. So. We'll get there. Yeah. Give me a year. We have a <laughs> lot a year, Lord, to I'll talk try. about today, and we've already talked about a lot. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. Darren, do you have... I got it ready. The ability to bring forth the 1689, the second London Baptist Confession of 1689, an incredible document that took a long time for various thinkers, Christian thinkers, to author in order to provide clarity on what they believe. This is during the Reformation, good stuff. We've been talking about Holy Scripture and really their thoughts on it, which is interesting because everything in the 1689 goes back to Holy Scripture. So we have two more episodes on Holy Scripture. Today we got paragraph 7 and 8 of chapter 1. Next time we'll do 9 and 10. But Darren, if you could be so kind as to read paragraph 7. Here we go. It says, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation 
are so clearly propounded, that's not, not a word we use anymore, um, and opened in some place of Scripture or other, that not only the learned but the unlearned, the learned but the unlearned, in a due use of ordinary means, may attain to a sufficient understanding of them. Adam, what in the world does that mean? It means, Darren, that Scripture is written in such a way that regardless of intellect, we can read, interpret, and apply it in a very plain way. That's that's me taking a shot at it. So the learned and the unlearned. <laughs> I got that part. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? I mean, that's my one-sentence summary. I'm sitting here. I'm going back through it. Well, right? there's two parts to it that I that I take um, in that paragraph. Uh, part of it is what you just said, that Scripture is clear in and of itself for salvation. Um, it is... It is accessible, and actually, we'll we'll touch on this in paragraph eight. But is it it is accessible not just for the, you know, PhD doctorate level holding theologian, but the, you know, the teenager that's just come to faith in Christ can read it and and have understanding of Scripture, uh, and and learn from it. Yeah, and. We've mentioned this before, uh, but just so everyone knows where we're coming from, Scripture, even according to this paragraph in the 1689, it's like it presents all knowledge that is necessary unto salvation. It's like, why do we have Holy Scripture? Why do we have the Bible? It's like, because that is everything someone needs in a plain manner. That is the basis of what you need to know for salvation. But yet, the Bible, the way that it's written the collection of books that it is. Some books are historical, but the Bible itself is not a history book. Some books are prophetic, but the entire book itself is not a you know way to like predict the future, per se. So we tend to overgeneralize the certain segments of Scripture instead of looking at it as one overall work of literature, which it is a God-inspired work of literature, to point to one bigger theme, which is, how God the Creator made everything and our role in that creation and what we've done. Because I say that because a lot of people, it you know, you can look at science. It's like someone would be like, okay, science. I'm going to reject what that person put forth because it doesn't mention it explicitly in Scripture. But the Scripture is not going to explicitly address some things. Why? Because it's giving you the information you need to know that is necessary unto salvation, not how to figure out how an atom works in sub-zero temperatures being frozen by quantum computers and why the laws of gravity break down on a quantum level, but they work perfectly for large celestial bodies. I mean, the Bible's not going to talk about that. That's what I was looking into the other day when I told you it's pointless. <laughs> I don't know if that's pointless or not. I don't know why I was even caring, but that's a true story. So yeah, that- when, when we look at Scripture, you know, it is... Uh, if we If we put this... 50,000-foot view of Scripture and go, what is the Bible about? It is the story of redemption. It is God letting mankind know, here's how I created you, here's where you messed it up, here's how I brought you back to me, 
and here's how I'll make it all right in the end. Like that's the story of Scripture, the redemption. Um, but it it does not contain 100% of the answers that we we would want to know. Um, but it's because it's like, like you say. Like it, it doesn't really mention gambling explicitly. Uh, spoiler alert. We got a gambling pod coming up. Forget everything I said. Maybe it does. <laughs> or or maybe it does say casting lots and that's how they figure out how to divide the land of Israel. Or you're just so, kind of you're giving people that teaser. I don't know. Maybe oh, I'm planting, what does I'm it planting say? some seeds. But uh yeah, it, it, there's things in there that were like uh, why doesn't answer this? I think um did you come to the event we had it years ago there at the asylum downtown when we had the the representative yeah. From okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the illustration he used about the remote control behind yeah, he, the, yeah. the couch? Yeah. He said there's like something falls behind the couch and you're like you're able to kind of move it with your fingers and kind of, you know, touch it, but you can't ever grab it. He, he used that as there's just some things in life that scripture t- touches on, gives us a taste, but doesn't give full understanding but towards. That's why it's so amazing and such a blessing because you can be, you know, upper middle class white suburban American, read the scripture and get truth that which is necessary for salvation. You could be a 15-year-old teenager in Germany and it always it applies to your life just as much as it does that American that I mentioned before. Uh, you can be, you know, someone in urban South Africa, I don't know, but it's like because it is not explicit in every way, it does make it personable to the individual and like their specific relationship. Well, that's the whole point of scripture is that that story of redemption. It gives what we need to know in order to come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. However, there's a lot that it doesn't answer we wish it would. And but but that's okay. And, and I, I think I talked to you about this Tuesday. The very last verse of the, the Gospel of John um, is in chapter 21. It's verse 25. It says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. We don't even have a fraction of all the things that Jesus did in his life here on earth. John's like, if I were to write it, the book, the world couldn't contain it. But we are given what was necessary in the life of Jesus and then the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to know who he is. And so that's what I think that chapter 7, paragraph 7 in the 1689, the whole point of it is that no matter where you are, 16th or I guess 17th century, um, or 21st century, we we have the story of redemption, and it applies to us today. Uh, we wish sometimes that. Do you ever just wish, Adam, that there was a verse that you could point to that answered a question explicitly? Sometimes where it's like, "What does the Bible say about fill in the blank?" T-? And you wish you could just have, "Oh, well, in, caffeine addiction." Yeah, in Romans chapter six, verse eight, it says, "Don't drink coffee." And it's oh, like, oh, okay, oh, there it is. You know. It doesn't have those things sometimes, but it has what's necessary for us to come to faith in Christ. Now, a couple things. Well, actually, just one thing. It'll 
Hit us with a couple things. Come on. Now, I'll give you Bring one it. thing. It's like people are like, no, in the Old Testament, you couldn't eat pork, you couldn't eat crawfish, and Christians do. They don't believe the Bible. It's like, look. What is what, I'm a snobby person, snobby skeptic. You're a hypocrite. Anyway, that's my snobby skeptic impression. I just made that character up. It's a terrible guy. It's a yeah, part of me. Does not sound like a guy I'd want to hang out with. No, he doesn't like to hang out with himself. It's a tough situation. I mean, he's critiquing scripture, this guy. But the Old Testament, again, we have to take the Bible, yes, it's one complete work. All together and individuals point into that same story, which we mentioned before. How, who created everything, and how we as created beings can be right with that creator. So all those books, the the Old Testament um, history books, the historical accounts, prophet, the books of the prophets, even the uh, uh, the Mosaic Law, all those things. They're smaller segments of a bigger work pointing back to. Well, who made everything? Why does everything exist? What's my role in it? And how can I be right with that creator? Like the Old Testament, it's all saying the same thing, just from a different perspective and a different time. One work, different ways of evaluating it. So for that person, then, you know, you eat, you eat shrimp, you hypocrite, you know. Oh, person. It's like, yeah, that's, I do, I'm just getting tired of that argument. Because they, they use it's, it's often used against the church. It's like you all pick and choose because you're anti-gay marriage, but then again you eat shrimp, and it's like, but th- that's not the correct understanding of the interpretation of this work that we have. So there's something in scripture about, and we've talked about it on here before. We've talked about it, you and I. That scripture, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we can learn certain morals. We can even look at things historically. But it's not going to all lead to belief and an understanding. The Holy Spirit has to be present in our lives for us to look at the whole of Scripture and go, this is the story of redemption. But so many people without that Holy Spirit want to take an intellectual look at Scripture and go, see, this is why you're a hypocrite. And it's like, I, I get that that seems um, contradictory, but please take a look at the entirety of Scripture and, and understand where those things are coming from. And it so, was edited by bad translations. Speaking of translations. Which I will say real quick, there's a new, have you seen the new argument? we got to get into this one day. The word homosexual never actually appeared in Scripture. It was put there in later translation by bad translation. Good point. You're right. My entire faith. I'm going to throw it all away. Good point. But okay. I have to... Really? Does that not... Did it... Uh, we'll have to get into a different time, but I saw We have manuscripts great... now. We have more information now via precise manuscripts than what they did back in the 14th, 15th centuries. So we can actually see in the original languages via those many, many manuscripts we now have access to to check the word itself. So it might not have been. It might have been placed in there it, as more manuscripts have become available. Uh, Long story short, basically, we have put we have used the word homosexual because that was the intent of the writers was that that word like did is there a Greek word for homosexual? No. Well, it says that men were what was it denying their former lust in line with men. Like, yeah, without natural affection. There you go. So that yeah. seems pretty. One. Yeah, it seems pretty 
you know. Yeah. So, but there. not to not to stick on the homosexual thing, but yeah, a lot of arguments come out, but taking the whole of scripture, understanding contextually, and um, you know. And please understand, we only use that because that is the the public discourse. If anyone's listening to this, like, look, we love, we have love for everybody, and as Darren, I think I speak for all of us elders here, at grassroots. Our hope is for everyone to come to Christ in repentance and love Him forever and enjoy His salvation for eternity. Um, so, if, please, if if we did come across as singling out any particular group, uh, we that's not the intent. It's just the public discussion. That's is usually that's there, and that's raging what, that's right how we now. Yeah, the public about. discussion so, that's raging. So, right. apologize if we came across bristly. <sighs> Just want to don't want to single out anybody. Had to clarify that. Can you single out everybody? Would that then not make it singling out? Yeah, we can do that. It's called total <laughs> depravity, and I would love oh. to have that pod. Wait, we might. Did we do that? We did that before. Yeah, we'll we'll get there again. Hey, way to ruin my segue. I'm I did totally. Re- speaking of translations, maybe I was lost in translation. Oh, speaking of translations. Oh, paragraph eight, segue. chapter one. Thanks. Do you want me to read the whole thing? Why wouldn't you? It's a little bit longer. I just don't want to lose everybody. Hey, friends, don't check out on us. This is not like super long. It's just a little bit longer than the last one. Hang in there. I just kind of found that you can actually keep people's attention when you're speaking by changing the pitch of your voice at random times, uh, volume and cadence. What if I sing it instead of read it? Let's do it. Not happening. Um, um, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it if it gets us another friend. Give me a beat, Adam. No. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, paragraph chapter eight. If you kept doing that, I would find myself. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I want to beatbox. How about this? Because uh, I was doing this the other day. I, there was a song I found out I could beatbox pretty well. If I can't, like, I can do a melody and a beat with my mouth. Was your wife busting out an air guitar? <laughs> Maybe my family's broken. <laughs> no, y'all. In have my fun defense, together. I was at work. <laughs> y'all have <laughs> was fun together. Okay. <clears throat> Are you just beatboxing, or are you waiting for me to read? I'm not going to read to you beatboxing. I can't do it. Because I will. here's why I'm not going to do it. I would find myself reading to the rhythm of your beatboxing. I'm not going to do it. But, but what about my cool drum roll I have coming up? I don't know, but I will have to say that was actually a really good beat, by the way. It's a good, it's a good beat, but... All right. All right. Sorry. We're, it's a good beat. Like, I, I'm not able to do that. I'm jealous. Uh, yeah. Be jealous. <laughs> you, yeah. My family, I'm very blessed to have the wife that I do and uh, kids. Shoot. Yeah. I said, y'all I have fun together. Literally fit in nowhere else. <laughs> we love y'all. I've been rejected um, by my own family. Paragraph eight says the Old Testament in Hebrew, uh, which was the native language of the people of God of old, and the New Testament in Greek which at the time of the writing of it was most generally known to the nations, being immediately inspired by God and by his singular care and providence kept pure in all ages, are therefore authentic. So as in all controversies of religion, the church is finally to appeal to them, meaning appeal to Scripture. Uh, But because these original tongues are not known to all the people of God, who have a right unto and interest in the Scriptures, and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them. Therefore, they are to be translated into the vulgar language of every nation unto which they come, that the word of God dwelling plentifully in all, they may worship him in an acceptable manner, and through patience and comfort of the scriptures, 
may have hope. So what does paragraph eight mean? Paraf- Here's my paraphrase. The Old Testament written was written in Hebrew. That is the native language for the Jewish people. The New Testament, primi- primarily written in Greek. I thought it was also Arabic. There was a little Aramaic. Okay. Yep. Well, how come they didn't say that? Uh, because what we use is Greek. So we don't use any Aramaic I don't know. translation? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just wonder because I thought. Anyway, yeah, I think some like words of Jesus were actually in Aramaic. But anyway, um, so you have those two original languages. Obviously, most of us here in the U.S. don't don't speak, and we're not fluid in interpreting Hebrew or Greek. But the Old Testament, the truth, the stories, the lineages, they're all perfect, and they're all right. Just written in that Hebrew language, and the Greek language. And this is this is incredible. So, and it just goes. It's a testament to you know God's grace, and that. Israel one day was eventually conquered and occupied by the Rome, the Greeks, the Greco-Roman people, which was, you know, Greek was the first common like world language. Yeah. Seems like like, everyone, it was, it was the first common language, which helped the truth in scripture spread throughout the world. Uh, But there was one phrase in there uh, I was talking about. It was holy, pure. It was like right before that part, uh, thinking about it. But yeah, basically, we need to go above and beyond in recognizing that our translations are translations. They're not written in our native language, and we need to try to understand the original context of the language. So understanding the definition of the words, but also the contextual application of them. Like, what what did it mean to the people who were reading those words at that time? And we take that meaning and apply it to our current life situations. Sorry, there was one phrase in there that stuck out. I, I can't. Well, as I'm sitting there reading, I think it's talking about ages. how, okay, Old Testament's Hebrew, New Testament's Greek, and God has kept these, uh, his word pure throughout the ages, but we don't know Greek and Hebrew anymore, and so we need to get it into the language of all people because people of all languages uh, need to hear the the gospel, and when they come to Christ, they need the Word of God accessible to them, because um, it says that uh, because these original tongues are not known to all the people of God who have a right unto an interest in the Scripture and are commanded in the fear of God to read and search them. Um, therefore, they are to be translated into the vulgar language of every nation, which, by the way, vulgar language to us today, that means cussing. That's like the, you know, oh, such vulgar language. But they just mean common language of the people um, so that Christians can can dwell in that uh, and in the Word of God and know it for themselves, which is something that we've been pushing here, Adam. You know that we've been pushing for the last two years biblical literacy uh, here at Grassroots Church, and we do that through our um, series we do in groups. Uh, you know, all of our groups right now at Grassroots, uh, thanks to Lena and Mark, are going through a, a series on how to study the Bible for yourself, um, steps that you can do to be in the Word of God, uh, our online classes that you can take, Grassroots Institute. Um, you know, we want biblical literacy, but for people to be able to be biblical literate, they have to have the Word of God in their own language. And so the writers of the 1689 are like, Get it in the language of the other people, which 
is a – I told you this earlier today at the Wild Bean. To us, we're like, yeah, translate it. Get it to them. However, when this was written, this was controversial. Yeah, because the Catholic Church running the globe for <laughs> the Dark Ages. That tells they, you something. That was Latin. And they didn't teach the common person how to understand Latin. Why? You have to go through them to get to a deity. Like, yeah. There was a there was a, a, a slight part of it that was biblical integrity, but a huge part of it was power and control. Power and control. Yeah, and that's when we talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, what, uh, what was the phrase? Uh, it was... Ren, Ref, Rev. The Renaissance, <laughs> yep. the Reformation, and the American Revolution. No, no, the Glorious Revolution. Excuse me, in the 1600s in England. Like, those three things together all combined. There was this massive movement in the Reformation to encourage literacy for everybody. And the Catholic Church did not like that because, no, you have to have a special position, calling, and a hat in order to be able to interpret these scriptures right. But it worked out perfectly in that, you know, the Gutenberg, Gutenberg, <laughs> so that weird. I actually like to have that name, though. Gutenberg, the uh, printing press comes out the exact same time that there was a movement to democratize literacy. And the, you know, King James Version, not a great translation, in my opinion. But, you know, it works. And it was like the first English translation of Scripture altogether. So you have to respect it for that position that it holds. But and it is important though. Like you, you should not read scripture alone. Like everyone in their lives needs direction or counselor. And, and that is not to say that hey, if you're listening, uh, you shouldn't read scripture. You need to go to your pastor in order to read it. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, read that's your Bible. That's between you and God. Absolutely, yeah, read your Bible. If you have questions, seek answers from that. If something seems contradictory, ask someone who you trust that's knowledgeable in both spirit and word to be able to help walk that with you, uh, to give information and to, and to build you up in that. Like, it's important to ask questions. And I, I do hope that grassroots, like, I, because I told you, like, with um, all the folks going through institute and doctrine, uh, we're, we're very much leaning into confessions and creeds for the past few years, just trying to get a historical understanding of our theological context, as we've ranted and raved about for so long. It's like I want grassroots to be – I would love if grassroots congregation was the most biblically literate group. So that way, as everyone goes throughout their day, they've got the Word of God right there to witness to the community, and boom. Yeah, because we've be awesome. said if biblical literacy leads to confidence in gospel engagement. Like if we if we know the Scripture and, and understand it well and and then engage people – in gospel conversations, you know, they're going to bring up questions, and we're going to feel confident in what we're able to answer. And and I think we need to ask honest questions. And I, 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 told, I tell group this. It's like, don't worry. Don't be like, oh, I want to ask this question and see what everyone thinks, but they might actually think I don't know a lot about Scripture. Mm. They might found out I haven't been reading the Bible the way that I should. It's like, who cares? If you have a question that we can talk about and someone can help you, bring it up. Yeah, take Humble that yourself. mask off. Take that I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Self-defecate all over this place. It's like, here's a stupid question. I thought Jesus, I thought some of those words were in Aramaic. Why is that? Dude, how'd you like that I brought that up at 829? Did you hear uh, Josh? He goes, jeez. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Uh, he he talked about 
diarrhea. Yeah, so I, I don't think he has anywhere to. That was a good burrito, too. Thanks for lunch. Shout out. Those yeah. Guys. Hey, two nine, baby. But no, it's, you know, it was controversial for them to say this because even, um, you know, a lot of people have heard of William Tyndale. Um, there's a, a publisher, Tyndale Publishing House, that's named after him. Um, this dude was burned at the stake for translating the Bible into common man's language. And uh, another awesome story, the eunuch in Acts, the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch. He had one page of one book of the Old Testament. Was it Isaiah? He had one. one he was reading uh, Isaiah. It was, it was one of them. And Philip's like, hey, what you reading? <laughs> no, he's got this uh, this one page from the, some book. Talks about some uh, Messiah coming. And Philip's like, huh. You want me to tell you what it's about? Gets baptized on the spot. But think about that. You have an individual who's clinging to one page, and we have the entire work of Scripture everywhere. But that story backs up what you just said, that we need, like, the community of the church. Like, it's okay to read your Bible and study. Like, we want the church to do that, but we need one another. The eunuch told Philip, like, I'm reading this, and Philip's like, what does it mean? He's like, I don't know. I need somebody to tell me. It's like, ah, Philip's like, hey, let me, let me tell you. Yeah, and then a body of water just popped up in the desert randomly, and like, hey, I got some water to get baptized. That's one of the best stories. And then he went poof. Or he walked quickly. Something happened. Yeah, he was gone. Oh, actually, I heard a translation say he was raptured. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Does that fit, Darren? I don't know. I don't know either. But stirring it up. Smacking that bee's nest. But I do think, I do think it's taking the two paragraphs we've looked at today, we look at Scripture and know that it gives us the necessary knowledge, what we need to come to faith in Christ. And therefore, as the church, we need to make sure it's in the language of all peoples um, and share that with them. But also, for us, we need to be reading it and and digesting it and dwelling on it and meditating on it. And, and be uh, excited about it. That's, I, if, and I found this out in my life. If I approach Scripture ever, it's like, oh, I've, I have to read my Bible Here today. we go Got again. It. It's not going to be fruitful at all like to take time in prayer and meditation and just to ask help by the spirit to understand what you need to understand and apply those truths reflected of one big truth as best you can can i ask you a quick question be joyful and own it no oh okay let hey me, this has been let, good though let me finish no, I'm kidding. Um, go ahead go, go ahead no i i i cannot say i i i wholeheartedly agree with you because I can't say I disagree. I, I want to wholeheartedly agree with you because your mindset and how you approach it. Yeah, it's, it's a reflection joy of your and everything. Why do you think people approach Scripture so begrudgingly or dogmatically? Because it checks us and keeps us accountable and makes us feel really bad about ourselves. It humbles us. That's my experience, and, and it works with passages I've read many times throughout my life. It's like, you know, it's not uncommon to, you know, I change up how I do my personal devotions during the day, but it's like reading through, let's see, what was I just read through? Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And, like, one random thing will stick out that never did before, and it's like, la, la. yeah, I messed up. <laughs> like, Jesse, I'm sorry, I've been very, you know, or something like that. It, I think one reason to be discouraged and like feel like it's an obligation to not have joy is because all oh, it's going to make you it's going to glorify God and humble you. The whole it's like the the a recurrent theme through scripture is that 
God exalts the humble and humbles the proud. Takes <laughs> us out of the middle and puts him there. It does. But once you get over that, uh, it's like, man, you can approach. It's like, man, we got, we've got the truth of the universe right in front of us. And you can go to it, and there's no depth to it. And I think that's exciting as well. So as you learn more about the world, you go throughout your life, throughout the decades, there's no end to this infinite depth of truth that we have. It just goes, there's more. There's more to be explored and understood and applied and loved. It's crazy. You and I talked about it recently, that the more we understand understand Scripture, the more as we go about our daily lives, the dots connect. You know, can you imagine? I mean, it is. Why is there such evil in the world? And people are trying to figure out. It's like, oh, no, the dots connect. I know why there's evil in the world and what God is doing to reconcile that. I think another reason people get dogmatic about Scripture, and I'm guilty of this, is whatever I'm about to read, I have read before. Mm -hmm. I know what it says. And then, like you said, all of a sudden I start reading through something, and it's like, well, why did I've read this passage 20 times, and I have never realized that little line right there. I, I, John 1, 1, I did a really in-depth study in the first chapter of John one time, and I'm not kidding. I had, I had mined the depths of it. I mean, like, I had found the mithril Oh, in, in ooh. Be careful, you know what's down there. Kazadoom. Be careful. I have found it. Don't awaken what lies in the deep. Yes. But <laughs> Lord of the Rings reference for anybody who's Sorry. tracking. Sorry, y'all. Um and I'm not kidding. I had I had finished my study. I was like, I have a firm grasp on this. I think the next day I was reading an article by Tim Keller on John 1 1. And he brought up one freaking word from the first freaking verse. And you're like, whoa, that's crazy. And he just unpacked that. And I was like, I have not even come close to mining the depths of this. So, and so we're in agreement. So um, one, one issue, some friction that people may have in pursuing truth in Scripture and doing it... Um, lovingly in the right way is that arrogance gets in the way. And yeah, I think, I th yeah, I see what you're saying. It's like, oh, I know the Bible. Why would I need to read it? I know all the stories. Um, one more thing that I would add to it as well. It's not about, and I've learned this the hard way uh, because I used to think it was all about like knowledge. Like how much can I know? How much can I explain? If I have a historical question, question scientifically, question morally, like it's about knowing what it says. And that's a part of it, but it's also, no, that's that's the worldview. I'm supposed to believe this. This should be embedded in my DNA. So as I consider God, consider myself, who I am, consider other aspects of his creation, it's like it's got, like my belief system should come from his truth. It's not just about knowing it. It's about believing it. And I touched on it on um, um, the Sunday sermon because I talked to you about it before, you know, you get to the pearly gates, hypothetically speaking, and someone's there with a clipboard, and it's like, uh, why are you here? If someone says, because I had faith, I've earned mm. the right to come in because I have faith, is it like that, or is it a personal, because I know Jesus, and he invited me, and he paid my ticket? Yeah. Like, I, is it that personal belief, or is it a distant head knowledge? We, Yeah, I think you're yeah. nailing it, because I, 
if we look at it as, I need to study so I can have answers, it's just another textbook that you're trying to pass the test. But if you're reading it to go, I, I need to know Jesus. Yeah, this is between me and God right now in this yeah. moment. It's like we're talking, we're communicating to each other. What can I, what can I listen for? And if I can encourage yeah. everybody in this is if you don't want to be challenged in your place as the center of your universe, don't read Scripture. Because that's going to attack that at every angle. And, and if you're like, no, I, I don't want, I want to honor God. I want to know Jesus more. Then I just encourage everybody. I think the Bible can be intimidating. There's no doubt about it. Because we go, where do we start? And what we end up doing is 15 years into our walk with Christ, we're going, where do I start? Yeah, we're on a treadmill. It's like, if you'd have started 15 years ago, you know, just, so I encourage everybody, just start reading. You don't even have to have all of your resources out and your notebooks and tracking all of your timeline. Just start reading. Start somewhere. Just read. Absorb it. Trust it. And do it. And and believe that what you do works. We've been talking about prayer a lot. It's like this idea of, you know, you pray it. And Jesus is like, have faith, and your prayer will be answered. It's like, how often do we, like, read Scripture? And it's like, okay, now I'm supposed to... You know, love my neighbor. I have to love. I'm going to wait around instead of being like, okay, how can I love my neighbor today? Scripture says I need to do it. I'm doing it right now. Like, how can I do it? And it's like, well, do, do, do. you know, it's like, make it real. Love it. Darren, any final comments? I saw you push your mic away. My timer went off a long time ago. Oh, really? No, I, I, I think we've reached. This has been a good discussion. I, pr- I hope everybody's encouraged by it. I hope they're not like, I hope they're encouraged to just start reading Scripture. Get into it. Understand that it, it gives us that encouragement. If you need a place to start, uh, Genesis 1 1. <laughs> I encourage you, do not do the Bible in a year thing. Don't overwhelm yourself uh, unless you're just that person. James. Um, oh, gosh. I want to preach through James again, but we didn't do it that long James, ago. James, back to basics. It's It's been four years since we oh. preached through it. Uh, five years since we preached through it. I want to preach through it again. But um, then I'd encourage you, hey, if you, if you don't have a church, um, First Tuesday in December, we're learning how to read and pray through Scripture. That's a great place to start. Um, or if you'd like to, in January, we'll start our next round of Grassroots Institute Online. Get to know your Bible. I don't know, just ways to help. Some great resources. Grassrootswv.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We love you all. We appreciate you giving us your time. It does mean a lot to us. Only 55 minutes. I did pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, you all are awesome. Love you. See you.